0: G'day, mates. Welcome back to another episode here on the, uh, the Mind Mate Show, the Mind Mate Project, the Mind Mate Podcast. I'm currently watching the today's episode or tonight's episode, depending on who you are, where you are, where you're listening, why you're listening. And um, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to me. It's about uh, trauma, it's about PTSD. Uh, if you have been listening to the show rather frequently, you will know that I am obsessed with this absolutely mind bogglingly incredibly interesting uh, topic, which is trauma. And I'm so fascinated by it, largely because I've been, you know, always reflecting, trying to reflect on, you know, some of the more traumatic things, the subjectively traumatic things that happened to me when I was a child. And even when I was an adult, and no, I currently am an adult. I don't think I'm one foot in the grave just yet. But, um, you know, looking back on all these things and trying to understand myself more. And obviously, that's what this podcast is all about. It's Ways to get to know ourselves more, ways for us to uh, communicate with one another, um, ways for us to bridge the gap between uh, mind experts and lay men and women like us, and um, and hopefully we can all become a little bit uh, happier, a little bit more happy, and uh, have a little bit more meaning and purpose and, and all that sort of stuff. As we come to understand understand ourselves a little more, we can start to see. What's necessary for us to uh, to sustain and grow all of those very important things I just said? So, Michael Birch, this is the uh, trauma expert I have on the show today, and I'm loving just watching this. And I'm going to give you a brief bio. Have a listen to this, Michael Birch. This is straight from his uh, website, the ACTT. So. uh, sorry, that's the Australian College of Trauma Treatment. Michael Burge is current director of the Australian College of Trauma Treatment. He's got over 25 years experience in psychology, counseling, education, and training. He's been working clinically in the area of PTSD for approximately 20 years, and he was responsible for setting up and supervising trauma response teams of psychologists through much of country Victoria, which is the state here in Melbourne, where I'm from. So he's published extensively, both nationally and internationally, in the field of PTSD, with a particular focus on psychosocial issues affecting Vietnam veterans and their families. He introduced PTSD treatment methods to most Melbourne universities as guest lecturer, and in 1993, introduced short-course skills-based training for the treatment of PTSD into Australia. This is the big one. In the 2010 Australia Day Honours, Michael was awarded the Order of Australia Medal for Service to Psychology and the Community the development of training and treatment protocols for trauma he's also the former president of the victorian branch of the emdr association and former victorian chair of the australian psychological society and recent former director board of directors of the aps pretty bloody crazy and you read something like that and i reached out to him because i was obviously quite blown away with um with his cv there and he's the most humble dude in the world he invited me to his home um we were speaking about coffee. You listened to this show. It was just awesome. It was just great to speak to a person like this and beautiful psychology books just laid in this room that we were interviewing. By the way, you can watch it on YouTube, but, um, yeah, I loved it. I really loved it. And the whole thing I've been, I've been looking at a flow a lot late, a lot lately and flow is that, that, that feeling of just intense focus where you've just got this, the, uh, the, the psychologist who termed the that, that state flow, Mihaly Mahali, wrote a book called Flow. And basically, if you look at an X and Y axis, you have this linear ascending line, which is basically walking that perfect line between the X axis, excuse me, I just burped on my own podcast, how good's that? The X axis, which is essentially... Your degree of boredom, and then the y axis. In fact, I'm going to look it up right now just so I don't absolutely fuck this for you. Um, The flow graph, my dearest mates, my dearest friends, is. Let's have a look here. Here we go. There it is. Flow graph (laughs) Mahali. Yeah, I thought I had it right. So. The y-axis is the degree of challenge, and the x-axis is the skill and the confidence level. Uh, confidence level. So that perfect line is, you know, if if it's too high on the y-axis, you're getting into panic and anxiety because what you're trying to do is too difficult. But if it's too lo- if it's too big on the on the x-axis, you're getting very bored because there's not a whole lot of challenge at all. So you want that balance between challenge, but also you're actually seeing some sort of progress. And I felt like that in this bloody podcast. It was just it was challenging for me because I was like, okay, I'm getting what you're saying, but I need to learn more about this. But he was saying it in such a simplified way, which shows to show how goes to show how bloody experienced he is, uh, that I was getting it. I was getting some of it and I was like, this is great. So you probably hear that in the podcast. <laughs> so my uh, my dearest friends, without further ado, Michael Burge pale blue dot all right Michael. good day you going very this well yes you too Welcome. you too thanks so much for uh having me here it's good we was saying before that um the pleasure. globe the globe saved my ass yeah, there it with the re- podcast
1: re- it really helps you know it's quite bright isn't it? i haven't got my
0: sunglasses but that'll be okay <laughs> i know i know it's almost like i could yeah. get a bloody tan. Yeah. from it yeah, I think. yeah. yeah. um Mate, yeah, thanks so much for doing the podcast. That's all right. Um, if you could start us off a little bit with just a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and um, give the listeners a guide as to kind of where the conversation going to flow. Sure,
1: sure. Well, my name is Michael Birch. Uh, I'm a counseling psychologist, but I'm also a psychodrama director. I've, so I've trained in both areas, and of course they interrelate. And, uh, and while I work uh, in psychology in general areas, uh, work relations, I've specialized Particularly in post-traumatic stress. Uh, since uh, my time as a veterans affairs psychologist at the repatriation and Vietnam veterans counselling service going back to the, to the late '80s, and uh, um, been in private practice probably since about 1994. I suppose so that's a fair while. Well, yeah. Time goes fast, mate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I was born in '93. <laughs> '93. Well, there you go. That's the <laughs> time I started in private practice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, so. When you're in a field that you enjoy doing and, you, um, and there's a lot of community involvement and there's so many people you get to meet, mm. different networks, time goes very quickly. You'll find that <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's what it's all about, really. And uh, look, I've worked in, it's just really uh, t- taken me in, in, into so many places and met so many different people, so many people from different walks of life and uh, organisations and institutions. It's been very, very interesting. So very different from my time before that, where I was actually a tape teacher teaching a few years in electronics uh, and then I gravitated to media with script writing for radio and television teaching that and uh, did some time very briefly with industrial at least with Radio Australia and uh, Southern Community Radio but then I decided to uh, leave that field lecturing and teaching and go into psychology so and here I am today yeah so
0: that's so. What, what, why did you feel like you felt that need to go into psychology? What was driving that? Well,
1: what it, what it came to when I was doing my teacher training at uh, at uh, the local teacher training institute, Hawthorne Institute of Education, I uh, we have to do called educational psych, and uh, I did quite well at that and got an interested in that, and, and I was encouraged by the lecturers actually to go think about going into psychology. And yeah. So I just continued to study part time while I was teaching for all those years. You know, going back into the uh, the right through the eighties. Yeah, yes.
0: There so. yeah, it was. Look, I, <clears throat> I mean, I think I'm a bit biased when I say that, you know, I think there's nothing more important than well, that's the not mind. Allowed. You don't know? have to be biased. I'm allowed to be biased. It's, it's my best. own show. That's, so not, I that's not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. But I just don't think there's anything more important than understanding, you know, these these things that all kind of come back to the mind, like how to find, how to be happier with yourself and find meaning and purpose and live a life that, you know, um, as, as you just said yeah. before, where time flies because you're doing things that you enjoy all the time yeah for
1: sure i mean activity in the environment and uh, it's very important to helping us understand ourselves i mean our journey from the time we're born is perhaps to understand ourselves and yeah. you look at that in terms of healing but you look at that in terms of human development really mm. uh, and of course there's so many different ways so many different fields of psychology to look at that differently some fields will look at it as a term of well you know you're you're not happy because you have a pathology i would have a look at that it's more of an existential journey like more intertwined with philosophy and the arts yes so more holistic you know so uh, that's probably more the sort of area that i would be focusing on a holistic type an integrative approach to um, helping the person develop and whatever particular wounds that need to be healed along the way or we can look at those too but mm. so it's a journey you know? so, so to get away from the idea that we're flawed individuals because we are suffering here or suffering there everyone suffers I mean, I'm a Collingwood supporter, and you understand. I have well, suffered a lot for it. Suffered it's, a lot, it's mate. Unfair decisions. Traumatic, Last year's grand final, but we aren't going to. Yeah. It, we're talking about other people's journeys, not mine. But very <laughs> true. Trauma is subjective, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right, you know, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. We don't want to get caught up with black and white thinking. Yes, so there we are. Well, yes, for fun than fun. So yeah, so I think I think uh, development and uh, and. Uh, um, the existential journey but within that too is uh and i found especially in recent years uh working with the survivors of black saturday running some programs out there and around marysville king lake area for, for a couple of years uh, um bringing the communities together the way that which communities and way people can help each other um not just necessarily that expert providing that service it's just so important in the journey yeah that's why i look at things
0: definitely because um God, I've got a lot of questions bumping in through my body now. (laughs) The, what was interesting with Freud's work was that he kind (laughs) of said, you know, when people start questioning their life, that's when there's a, Pathology, kind of ruminating, yeah, and it needs yeah, to be understood. Right. But yeah, yeah. do you not know, think it's important at various stages in your life to actually look at yourself and reflect and think about what you're doing? And-
1: sure. I mean, the ancient philosophers would, would probably, would probably perhaps have a different point of view than Freud in that way. They just said looking at self-reflection. Mm. Aristotle, you know, um, Aristotle, Socrates, etc. uh would, would say self-reflection is a part of um, understanding the world yeah. and our relationship with ourselves and others. And the world—that's part of uh, what's important for our own growth, yeah. our own growth, but also the, the the growth of humans in general. We can't have some introspection. Yes, and, and that may involve some troubles here and there, or some hurt, or some pain, or some trauma. That's all part of it.
0: Bringing it up, yeah.
1: Seventy percent of people have been traumatized. The, the research shows that. Wow. Even though ten um, percent in the general population. Uh, have a post-traumatic stress ongoing.
0: It's 70% of us have experienced some kind of
1: traumatic event at some stage in our
0: lives. So what, what would the definition of trauma be there, given that it is so subjective?
1: Well, we you talk about the definition of trauma. Uh, I guess we, we, we draw on psychology. We draw on uh, um, the various um, diagnostic manuals, of course. But it's pretty much what it comes down to is that it's the shock involved around being exposed to potentially a life threatening circumstances to yourself or others, especially others that you are close to in some way or another, a significant other. When you see your significant other's life at threat or uh, emotional and physical integrity at threat, that can be a very traumatic experience naturally because our flight, flight kicks in and our protective aspects kick in to try and help rescue and save. And that massive boost of adrenaline for helping our loved ones or ourselves to survive Creates the, uh, if you like, the traumatic type domain, mm. whereby we're so focused on surviving that, uh, and we can draw in all sorts of energy, lots of other emotions like terror and mm. horror. Uh, and other parts of the trauma experience can get shut out of conscious awareness, for a time, and perhaps sometimes indefinitely. Uh, and but then, unfortunately, that's part of the problem because all that sort of adrenaline and chemistry is floating around in our body and. And, and, uh, and our experiences have been fragmented rather than flowing. Uh, that's what causes the uh, traumatic stress symptoms later on. Yes. unfortunately.
0: So you can you can kind of see how even just based on your terminology, then like you know aspects of the psyche fragmented and yeah. not flowing. You can see yeah. how people develop these what we would call disorders, like you know dissociative disorders, like ADHD, and psychosis oh, yeah. and things. But they're really essentially survival strategies
1: survival that's right so uh, the symptoms are a result of just like being a big you know fight to the death of something you know um, rocks and and knives or, or guns or whatever that uh, you might get a few wounds um, but then you've actually survived and mm. the wounds are actually obvious in those circumstances but the psychological wounds are less obvious mm. a lot of the vietnam veterans and other veterans that I work with for example would describe the experience when they're engaged in combat uh, and so they're actually so focused on surviving, they feel like they're in a tunnel. Right. Everything else is shut out of, out of, out of conscious awareness. And they, they uh, feel almost like two, there are two selves. One self in action in combat, and combat, the other self watching themselves from above. And they get that experience of watching themselves from above. That's that dis- sort of dissociative removal of um, other parts of self while the survivor is at work. So, uh, and when we come back to healing, it's a matter of trying to find ways to integrate those other parts of self that have been left floating out there, different parts, integrate yeah. them.
0: See, and that really fascinates me because when you think of someone describing a dream, you think yes. of how... They say, "Oh, you know, I was doing this and this," but then at the same time, you're kind of watching yourself doing this. And yes. It just kind of describes what you were saying with that with that traumatic response.
1: Yes, that's 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 it. That's a good good example of that. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so how did, how do dreams then? Because if if that's a very similar, um, you know, th- those two sides of things have similarities. Then because PTSD sufferers often have recurring nightmares as well. Yes. Yes. How does how do those two kind of correspond?
1: Well, the last part of the, part of the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress is, does someone have nightmares, reoccurring nightmares? And the explanation, generally speaking, in fact, there's probably general agreement across fields, whether it's psychoanalysis or whether it's cognitive behavioural therapy or whether it's psychodrama or gestalt, yes, yes. whatever it happens to be. Uh, most people would agree that the dream world, or the dream life, is an attempt for the individual in, in, in their unconscious mind to try and integrate the wounds that have taken place. So there's an attempt, natural attempt, once one's been traumatized, to assimilate the trauma, mm. to process the trauma. The trauma has been described as being caught up very much in the right hemisphere of the brain and parts of the body, and wants to process through to the left hemisphere, the more the verbal. Yeah. So there's sort of, you know, the trauma kept in that part of the, the system, the amygdala and the right hemisphere, and wants to process. And the dream, when you're sleeping, when you're perhaps dropping your defenses somewhat, uh, that's the time it starts to try and reenact the trauma so you can then process it unfortunately because it's so terrifying sometimes people wake up and they get caught in the loop yeah and that's sometimes well they need to do a particular type of journey sometimes psychotherapy wherever that happens to whatever psychotherapy they do yeah because so in psychotherapy yeah. you bring the, the dream out to life and you get people to enact really groups yes yeah there's that you in that situation there's the that uh, person over there is trying to shoot you or stab you or something or trying to humiliate you or if it's wow. a rape victim the same thing and you bring the various parts out and uh, you know we've got a whole a lot of chairs over there and cushions sometimes if you're doing one-on-one you can't different from groups yes others call auxiliaries to act out the cushions are the auxiliaries and that's very powerful to help people integrate uh, that part and they can then start to process the, the dreams, start to process a lot more wow and, that is and trauma disappears yes sometimes so that's yeah. psychodrama. Psychodrama, very powerful, very powerful. Um, you know, but all, all, most of the uh, approaches, it just depends on which one fits what individual. Yeah. Some people have got a very artistic, creative bent and they can just fall right into psychodrama. Sometimes people that aren't particularly role-play orientated um, are locked into verbal. Sometimes it's useful for them to take them to a bit of creative energy, um, but not too much, just a bit here and there.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: So, uh, so that's all fits into the idea of you know helping that person process the trauma that might be displayed in the dream world.
0: Mm. So they would they would come to you for example, and they would say, you know, I keep having <coughs> this dream in a roundabout way, you know, because obviously the dream manifests symbols from all yeah, different yeah. sorts of angles yeah, and things. Yeah, yeah. And, but essentially, this is the plot of the dream always, and then I yeah. wake up in a fright. Yeah. Is the idea then to I essentially try to Change the unconscious from reacting in a fearful way to reacting in a more uh, observational way. Or yes,
1: yeah. So, so that uh, generally speaking, that's you, that's the way to go. You, you move towards the observation. It's like mindfulness, you know, mm. but in action. Mm-hmm. So in psychotrama we it's called mooring. So you might have two or three selves at once. So you move a person to a safe place, um, in the present, two thousand and still 2019, 2019. So. and that might have been the trauma might have happened. So like in. Uh, 2015 yep. and you separate the time and the space so where the trauma is happening you can see some enactment taking out there and uh, but you can always bring them back to 2019 very quickly yep. if they're overwhelmed so it's very important to treat carefully with that because you, you don't want to overexpose yes. someone to the traumatic material so there are different views on that there's, some, there's, there's a technique and you might call you since you're in the area you don't understand prolonged exposure yep. they sort of take you through the um, the images of the trauma are quite confrontingly, mm. uh, and that works for a lot of people. Uh, but then for a lot of people that are perhaps even more severe traumatized, not necessarily. So they've got to be sort of more sort of piecemeal, steady, steady, backwards and forwards, build up safety and, and, and just have the the trauma and distance. But they can still process that vicariously. Yes. And uh, and uh, sort of Gestalt psychodrama is very powerful for that
0: EMDR. MDR. This is fascinating. Uh, this is, this is that, that rapid eye movement. Yeah, 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 How exactly. does that work? Well, basically, it's got to do with uh, a bit like talking
1: about dream states, a bit like the way in which the, when, when you're dreaming, your eyes can move backwards and forwards. Have you ever watched yourself when you dream? Uh, no. Not necessarily. I, I, I haven't achieved that. But yeah, <laughs> some, some, some time I'm like, sure you will eventually. I'll one, one oh, well, you know, just, <laughs> just keep calling with a premiership
0: this year. <laughs> so I'll think about that, mate, Yes, but, yeah. exactly. You know, your and eyes will be darting all over. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Black and white, black and
1: white. Anyway, uh, so uh, look, pretty much the idea is that it helps stimulate the pro- and process that part of the brain. that Allows the the information that's been fr- uh, sort of non-verbal, fragmented in the right hemisphere, processed through to the left hemisphere. So it's a matter of helping it. The the, the ice moving helps. Stimulate the brain to process things. Wow. It's like winding up the car, you wouldn't know that you're too young, know, winding up the car manually. In fact, I'm too young. I yeah. had a few old cars when I was about 18, but they used to wind up the crank.
0: You're talking about Hot Wheels, aren't
1: you? Uh, <laughs> that's it, that's it, you know. So, the only thing I can wind up these days is my most when I'm around the golf course. But anyway, yeah. so anyway, so when you stimulate the eyes, you get the eyes to move backwards and forwards, that gets the brain then to help. Um, process from right hemisphere to left hemisphere. Mm. Uh, and But also, even within that, uh, you know, I'm a former uh, president of the EMDR Association in Victoria, back in the early 90s, sort of late 90s era. Uh, at that time, there was, uh, while there was some emphasis on eclectic cognitive interweave, uh and finding in recent times, I say recent, <coughs> the last 10 years, it's been so important to have to be more holistic and integrative, especially if dissociative disorders and things like this, highly dissociative, highly complex trauma, to bring in other techniques like psychodrama, okay. like heart therapy, to help develop what's called a positive resource. So, for all those approaches, there's a need for duty of care in terms of not being overly too much trauma focused. The yeah. person hasn't got the resources, the childhood abuse. Childhood trauma, they might not even know they've had a trauma. Mm. They might have an adult. I've had this time and time again. They are like coming here for an adult car accident. Uh, unfortunate rape as a young woman. Um, uh, but then there's some earlier childhood abuse that took place that then come forward that, that they weren't expecting. So you need to be very careful with, uh, have the capacity to um, test out that person's um, ability to process uh, current trauma and focus in general.
0: Yeah. So how would how would that child trauma come up? Because it's as a, it's a very um, you know, for people that aren't in the field, it sounds almost something, you know, fictional that you can be having these conversations, you can be acting out these traumas, and all of a sudden from somewhere, people in the psychedelic sphere, spiritual fear, you know, you know, they say, like, oh of course, I, I remember at a time <coughs> when back when yeah. I was four or five years old. Yeah. Um, I found out I was, as you say, like raped or molested or mm. I, I had a car accident. Or yeah, yeah. How would that just come to mind?
1: Well, they, they, was, uh, they could experience something somatically that they weren't experiencing before. They could be experiencing an emotion they weren't experiencing before. So and in EMDR, and you might just get them to focus on that, whatever's emerging. And, uh, and then and I think the, the, the modalities, the, the body sensations, uh, any thoughts, images emotions mm. and uh, from that uh, images could pop up from earlier times yeah and so that's not necessarily saying it's repressed memory it might be a memory they had but they have a different experience of that memory yes so they could come out um, unexpectedly sometimes wow and it's just like you know if you start having a conversation with somebody and you, there's long-term memory and there's short-term memory and you start talking about something which is a short-term event you think oh that reminds me of you know that time of, you know when i was doing this or doing that you know etc cetera, et cetera. so that the long-term memory can be can be triggered but then when there's uh, potential trauma flooding around it's starting to be processed and the emotionality and the significance that can be seen or experienced in a different way mm. uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a matter of uh, repressed memory coming forward uh, and uh, it could be just a different experience of an old memory that they didn't actually give much value to until that time
0: yeah and how would people be able to tell within themselves uh if they if they have experienced trauma when they think of a memory or, or it floods a certain of emotion like
1: well i think i think the i think the pdsd guidelines are pretty good on that i mean if you've got um, a range of symptoms that's not a bad guy actually especially dissociation because yep. association is uh look apart from the flashbacks are upsetting panic attacks are upsetting the ocd stuff is annoying irritating you know everyone's got a bit of all those by the way yes <laughs> yes. yes touch wood but anyway so um but the dissociation is the most damaging that's the one that in uh, my view um
0: okay.
1: when you're actually feel your whole emotions shut down this is not even talking did we're talking about just dissociative experience of actually shutting out your emotions you know depersonalization derealization we you actually feel like a robot or a zombie yeah you're you're out a party everyone's having a good time but you're just flat as a ta- you know flat as a tack that mm. is a boy you, you can't really respond to that yeah you feel as though you're outside of yourself um and no joy just not even even no fear or terror if you start to move into fear or terror or joy or happiness or anger that's probably um you yeah. An improvement. <laughs> At so least there's something. Something happening. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's where people get most. I think. I think you know, most in danger of suicidal ideation and things like that. You know, in that horrible, horrible space. And the rationality is not there. The logic is not there too. Because once people are in that space, I think there's no escape. It's never going to get out of it. It's a bit like you know, facing death. Yep. I think it's probably comes down to it in some way or major violation of some kind.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And often there's heavy stuff, you know, in the background uh, while things go on which are upsetting. You know, your footy team loses, you don't get the job you want, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, <coughs> the controversy around the last few minutes of the Grand Final, Western Australia. Um, in the Western <laughs> you sound Australia, very traumatized, but, uh, to you Mike. <laughs> I won't go into that petition, but that's another story. Yeah. But anyway, you've probably heard about that. But anyway, yes. uh, change.org. But anyway, uh, so um, probably something deeper deeper, deeper pain in there somewhere that's to- so scary and frightening that the, the system the system is very protective. Yep. And uh, um, wild association is very unpleasant. That's part of the protection. You could even argue most overprotection. It's like someone who's been brought up and experienced child abuse, especially from a caregiver. Uh, and that can be very subtle how that takes place. Mm. Uh, they can give up on uh, uh, the idea that um, they have a right to be annoyed at their caregiver or uh, the, the caregiver isn't just because if they're relying on that caregiver, the nurturer, for their survival, catch twenty two. So they blame themselves, they feel shame more, and they think it's all their fault. So they get that sort of um, that scenario where they're actually, you know, in that catch twenty two scenario. So just to try and survive as a child. So a ch- child at zero onwards has these amazing capacities to fit in with the caregiver even though they're, you know, abusive, sexually abusive, mm. physically abusive. Hmm. Um. So especially psychologically, the particular focus on psychological abuse, always blaming the victim, sort of stuff. Yes. So that's that could all fit in there, and that can be very, very scary stuff to look at in adulthood, even when you're not relying on that caregiver anymore. And it's like you know you get developmental trauma and attachment issues, and it can all come out. And it's particularly notable when you start to have relationships attachments are at stake and you start to get into a situation where you're feeling vulnerable and um, you, you, know, you can feel yourself, you know, being all shaken up mm. and the dissociative experiences come in emotionally. Emotional um, vulnerability, intimacy is very threatening. That yeah. opens you up to little things you might not be quite tuned into that happened in childhood with another important, significant other.
0: Yeah, and I think another thing to consider is that You know children are so innocent and when something traumatic happens to them um, i guess one of the best survival strategies they can do is internalize that experience and and claim it as their own fault or something because at least they have some sort of
1: that's the thing yeah that's a survival mechanism that's that's what happens and it's almost automatic So they just have a biological way of surviving in a way Mm. Uh, so i think i must do go from a to b to c it just sort of happens to fit into to be in the good
0: books with the uh perpetrating caregiver exactly yeah to keep it exactly because yeah. at least yeah. they're it's under they can understand the experience and they can so yeah. do you think that's why then people that go into self-mutilation self-harm disorders it kind of emanates from that ability to at least control something
1: yeah like that's that's part of it for sure absolutely it's also uh and, and the research is quite quite abundant in that area that that's part of it like Control something, yep. and they have to, sometimes they had other ways of getting back at the. Oh, <laughs> that t- sense, yes and they sort of uh, but also uh, when they're particularly in a state of um, panic and frenzy, uh, or just severe dissociation, that's because that adrenaline kick can sometimes sort of uh, snap them out of it. Not in a, not not in a, Yes. A great way, of, not, not a good way of doing that. That that can be used for that method as well. You know, to try and the pain or the, the adrenaline from that. Yeah. Can snap them out of that dissociative or help ridden away from that horrible state that they're in
0: yeah so i mean like ironically that's almost like a it's the intention behind that's good because you're getting out of this and into this yeah, yeah. but there are more productive ways to do that high intensity training breathing. yeah yeah absolutely yes yeah. for sure yeah absolutely. so how much of that sort of holistic approach do you integrate with your own clients
1: um, all the time you know? yeah so i pretty much have a have a, a core of cognitive approaches and uh I integrate uh, um, psycho, some psychodrama techniques and EMDR uh, therapy sometimes. Mm. Uh, so, uh, generally speaking, uh, uh, um, whatever modality I think is suitable for a particular client. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it's but, but the th-
1: relationship is so important. I mean, Relation. whatever, if nothing's going to work unless the relationship, you know, the relationship is. over I mean, Carl Rogers. Have you heard of Carl Rogers? Yes, I'm becoming a I'm person. A fan Good fan of Carl Rogers. Um, and uh, looking at... The relationship especially with complex PTSD, um, abuse survivors, victims of torture I've also worked with, uh, whatever you do, whatever um, um, advanced tool you have in the bag, uh, if you're not relating well it's not respectful relationship, you're not putting yourself in too much of a sort of a superior position because you're the expert, Yeah. person to person, that's got to work. Mm. You know, so if, I like the idea of being core based, Carl Rogers with, um, you know, cognitive and uh, some Marino psychodrama. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it's amplified therapy. therapy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, so
0: I think that's brilliant. And you know, I think um, one of the thing, big things I want to try to build with this podcast is um, bridging the gap between not only clients. Um, you know patients clients and psychologists psychotherapists etc but also people that are just starting in the field because that's where i'm at you know i I want to um learn more about this and um what i think you said there was a a really brilliant point that i definitely want to try to take with my approach when i'm working with my clients is that you know you're not the superior yes we've studied the mind and all this sort of stuff but the the goal of the session is to help the client. So yes. by definition, they're the expert yes. because they're superior in their awareness of themselves. Yes, yes. You've got to try to understand and unpack them.
1: Yes, yes I, I totally agree with that. And uh, it's like, you know, we're a witness a lot of the time to their journey and uh, mm. um, that can be, and I so, like, in terms of psychodramatic terms, the idea of psychodramatic methods is to create spontaneity and creativity and, and that helps move someone away from dissociation and open up new possibilities. In some ways, it's like they're on a creative journey. And uh, it's like watching someone's artistry at work. And, uh, and sometimes it can be a bit of co-artistry or co-authoring in that process. Mm.
0: Mm. Yes, I like that. So we get back to trauma, because um, I, I really want to... I think trauma really affects a lot of people in more ways than they really think. Yes. Um, and um, a really good analogy that helped me understand trauma a little bit better was you know, you're kind of walking down a road and then something traumatic happens. It's like this big wall all of a sudden goes up down the road and, you know, that dissociative occurrence happens when aspects of the psyche kind of split off and they're able to move around the the, the wall and keep walking but there is an element of the psyche, the total picture that can't get past that wall, you know, and it's just constantly blocking. And that's, you know, as you grow and develop, Mm. anything associated with that traumatic experience triggers you yes. in the present yes. what are some really good ways um that people can learn to integrate that experience into their present conscious well,
1: psychodrama and actually we're talking about a wall right now we actually put out a wall oh yeah and we stand behind the wall and we say well, what's on the other side of that wall and what are they saying to you you know really yeah, yeah What they yeah. trying to call you up to say we'd have someone the other part of the self or uh, on that wall saying help help you know um and uh, and you help coach that person to say, well, how what, how can you respond to that person on the other side of the wall? And you perhaps get if you're doing doing group work, you'd have have three, perhaps two or three people to be at the wall, and the wall would actually speak to you. Wow, a like awesome. a Walt Disney thing coming out. You yeah, know, where they all where everything's alive. The trees alive, the walls alive. Yeah, and because uh, the way in which the mind works, they can actually um, that's the good thing about psychodrama setting the scene, mm. and uh, is that uh, the the aspects of which are difficult to deal with can be sort of <coughs> projected into all sorts of other people, mm-hmm. but also inanimate objects as well. Mm. Uh, I remember doing some, uh, attending a workshop of quite a while ago when I was studying undergraduate psychology at the uh, uh, Gestalt, um, one of the Lizard Gestalt, James Oldham, demonstrated about doing some dream work and uh, this, I think the wife was sort of having some abuse, I think it might have been domestic abuse of some kind or another, but she just kept battling on regardless and dissociated. And for some reason, you're dreaming of a, uh, a washing machine and, uh, and, uh, and there was a bit of flint, I think there's a of wool or something inside the washing machine that's kept coming up in the dream all the time. And they got someone to be, something, they had some discussion or some chair work around their flint, and that was part of her disowned, part of the self that was being neglected and washed aside. Oh. And then lots of tears when she had that sort of connection. So the emotion started to then become forthcoming. And psychodrama does those sorts of things Wow. as well. So uh, the difficulty sometimes is just being purely verbal in your approach. You can miss out on all that somatic, mm. uh, unconscious material that can come through in all sorts of ways because of the way it's uh, surrounded itself by protective mechanisms and yeah. creativity and spontaneity and Those sorts of role vessels can
0: bring that out. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something that I learned with my own um, panic disorder and trying to understand my own anxiety disorders as well. It's like, you know, I could talk with someone and I could listen to exactly what they're saying, you know, but fundamentally these disorders were based in the amygdala, you know, that was associated disorders. So I could say, hey, I know exactly how I should be responding, but I can't. Yeah,
1: so so for a trauma to be... be, um, be processed it needs to be processed uh, like with the MDR it's not a bad model for that in terms of uh, a summary uh, emotionally and, uh, and also bodily mm-hmm. cognitively and whatever images are involved in that process as well yeah. so uh, so if your trauma is centered in the body then there needs to be some focus on that and action methods are great for that in psychodrama you might find someone when, you're, when they're doing a role reversal with the part of the self that's being disowned for example and uh, by chairwork or somebody else playing that part, they might start to experience that pain in their body, and and uh, and you, you you get the person to focus on that part and use a technique called maximisation. So you'd amplify it, and and uh, there'd be some help with some auxiliaries, and and, the, and that can then there might be some images around that. So while it's so, so, so there's some somatic connection or somatic distress, you find as you maximise uh, focus on amplifying that. Go, can go to emotion, or, or a new image can emerge, you know, perhaps a, a long-term image or repressed image can come out from the unconscious material. Mm. And that's what you know. That's and that's what needs to happen for the for that particular person's journey. You know.
0: Yes. Yes. Because the fundamental goal is to make someone feel <coughs> happier and, and like they understand it more. Yeah. You know, To integrate themselves. And, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So if if there's some emotion or and how that's caught up in the body is uh, repressed. Suppressed, then obviously that needs to be fine. There needs to be some fine sign, some way of actually processing that. Yeah, it may well be that that focus um, becomes a conflict. I want it, but I can't. Mm. So then it's just too challenging to bring that out with a person. So, with the psychodrama technique, you do the mirror and get two people to play those conflicted parts or get two chairs where they could observe themselves playing those parts and step back. And of course, the uh the 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 council the, the psychodrama director would uh, be very be that play a vital role in helping the coaching being supportive and alongside that person so that's support the doubling the coaching uh, it's like having that kind of support you didn't have when you experiencing awful experiences and uh, that is just so important in that sort of uh, therapeutic encounter
0: yes how much of because when you start thinking about developmental psychology and, I, you know, I want to be a father in the next couple of years, I just want to think about how I can create the best environment for my children. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, how much of it is creating a safe space uh, for them so that they know that no matter what happens outside of that safe space, they'll always feel welcome back mm. um, and they won't experience that rejection yeah, and yeah. That, that animosity, hostility towards, you know, their, their parental figures. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right, well, I guess we're talking about, you know, if you, if a person has issues in their own background, how do you stop those from swapping your children? Yeah, I don't want to kind of put that on yeah. them, you know, I wouldn't do my own so work. Yeah, well, the, the answer is, I think, um, well, there's no one answer, there's no utopia, but the, a good guide is to, uh, the, the more self-aware you are of whatever's an issue and how that plays out behaviourally, like with the, for example, with the... Vietnam, yes, they would have an issue with anger and explosion, the volcano effect, you know, mm. and uh, or just shutting down. So um, when they understood that they would be that way, especially with particularly vulnerable encounters with the wife or the children, they would have some strategy in place that, even though they're feeling like crap, yeah, <laughs> to actually will say, look, it's not you, son, or not you, daughter, or not you, wife. they um, are just going for a bad space at the moment. Had a bad day, um, you know. Um, so look, you know, but we'll, we'll catch up. In a few minutes. So, the main thing is to nice. break that uh, transgenerational link that thereby they start to think it's their fault. Yes. So, which might be you know, what the the adult is experiencing. You know? Yes. you're experiencing. Uh, so, you know, that, that when you're a child, so, but when you're except to say, well, it's not your fault, well, I'm just going for a bad thing, that does a hell of a lot of good. You know? So, verbalizing. Verbalizing is hell of a, like, but, but, you know, so if I'm a bit quieter, a bit, you know, a bit sort of moody, not your fault, but i will still do this. I, you know, I still enjoy, I'm really enjoying your company, but even though I can't quite as be as uh, up as I am normally. Yeah. So articulate about making it too dramatic, you know, and just sort of passing, course. you know. So um, I think that's that's highly recommended. But, and also the quality times too, like the, the times you're able to enjoy experiences, uh, the, the, the times when you can nurture and listen to the child here and there. The big thing also to worry about is being overly worried uh look you know um, uh, that if you can actually be overprotective sometimes mm-hmm. overly guilty or overly, oh, I've got all these issues so know if something you' be right with the childs am happy therefore it's my fault you know so you've really got to watch that because then you can be overprotective because kids are pretty resilient you know they can actually work it out themselves if it's a genuinely mm. healthy environment that oh, something's wrong with daddy or mummy, you know so they get on with this stuff you know Honestly, yeah. unless I get beaten up or something yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah so that's that's that uh, now turn unless I actually get um physically hurt of course parent, of course yes and then if they just work it out know, their parents are in a bad mood and so forth and so on but if they, if they see the parent making an effort and then defend, and then at other times uh, and not acting t- too overly protective they can actually generally work it out and yeah. be okay you know
0: yeah it, become, it becomes like um, the, the story of the Buddha who you know the, the prince his dad built up these incredible walls yeah, and gave him the material possessions yeah. and he first saw that old man or a dead body or whatever yeah, it was yeah. he ran back and screaming because yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. So unprepared to have that yeah. carpet pulled out, yeah, from yeah, underneath, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's a real cool analogy, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can you can think back, you know, across your own life, and you know, the first couple of times you were, were exposed to potentially uncomfortable truth and you kicked down to the Garden of Eden, essentially, and you have those moments of like, oh, it, it takes a while to recognize that that's a part of life as well. That's a
1: part of life, disappointment is a part of life, yes, and Un- injustice is a part of life, yes, like you know. Like, you know I used to play footy. I used to do a lot of pin and golf. And one time, one year, I didn't make the team for some reason. There's very really, there's a bit of politics involved, that's my story. Yeah, you know, yeah. Either way, it's very disappointing. Um, so and that's just you know, that's what I, happens? That's, that's life. That's what happens. You don't always make the team, do you? Yeah, so. yeah it's true. Yeah. yeah so. Sometimes you're on the bench.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hopefully not too much, but <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So uh, how yes. much of this work? I love um Dr Sue Johnson. She does that emotionally focused therapy. Yeah. And um I think a lot of the times um like exactly what you said before that you know people get stuck is that they talk therapy becomes the only avenue for um for growth and a lot of this stuff is is caught in the body like even when we react to things it's it's a physical reaction Mm. an emotional reaction and then the what ifs start to stir you know um how important is it because i'm always just trying to think of things that we can do um ourselves yes yeah um you know, to actually get into the body, and what are some other things that you would recommend for people?
1: Well, I, I think I think uh, uh, mindfulness meditation. You know, just sitting with with the pain and just just yeah. see what pops up. You know. Body body work of some kind or another. But there's, uh, I think, uh, Bessel van der is a big uh, uh, advocate for that. Also, he loves and yoga, body, yoga, and also body work. You know, sort of the oh, various yes. te- techniques that can actually help the person. Focus on it. EMDR, of course, mm. uh, where there's a big focus on whatever the body is actually experiencing. So, uh, and I guess the techniques of psychodrama and so forth, yeah. they do a lot of focus on the body um, and and how that's, how that is symbolised. So, uh, art therapy. Oh yeah, this can be very useful. Mm. So, if, they, if they're feeling a pain uh, and they can't process it from their body, using some creative processes. Try and transduce that pain into some other medium, like mm. art. Uh, very powerful.
0: Because mm. I think... I mean, the,
1: the different perspectives of the pain you know, through the creative processes.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is um, it is hard to, to sit in that pain sometimes, especially when you're just, just beginning to swim into the unconscious waters, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I reckon a really good... Something that's really helped me anyway, and I'd, I'd love for you to comment on it as well, is that these things that happen to us are happening for us. Like, mm. you know, yes, that, that happened to us 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago or whatever. But all of these what ifs, you know, these physical sensations yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know, just because we're socially conditioned to believe they're not good, mm. they're happening for us because they're trying, the, the, the body is trying to survive and, and stay alive and, and, and make us feel good. Yes. You know, um, yes. How many people get stuck? Do you think really in thinking that I just want this to go away?
1: Well, I think I think that's I mean that's a huge part of psychotherapy. I mean, we're, we're talking about the the meta the meta worry aspect mm. really. So uh, in, in my work with clients, I spend a lot of time on that aspect. Right. That the, you know the, the people sort of are down themselves are being down, and that that of course ties into this it's almost like the pathological critic, but, but worse than that, you are being criticised for having one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a double. So that's
1: you can really work on that and. Uh, Uh, And just when they start to map that, especially when you can start to do some positive resourcing, you know, uh, hopefully there are some, uh, and Van really highlights this. I remember meeting him one time back in 1990 when he was doing some work with the veteran psychologist, that it's so important to, if you've got some positive role models in your life, you can really drag in those role models at those times when you try and deal with that meta worry that the the critic or the critic, for having a critic sort of stuff. (laughs) Yep. so so if you've got that you can really contrast that and and just take people back to view that whether it's manifesting in the body like you know if someone had a uh, uh, a somatic gnawing of the body of some kind or another uh, you want that person to ex- to, to ex- experience that but then also get a view of themselves experiencing that mm. uh, if, the, if you're being for the meta example before if you've been criticized but get a view of them criticising themselves for suffering. Yes. And I think it's probably pretty much, you know, if there's an adult, some childhood trauma, you could actually tie that in. And this is very, it's like you know, child work in a child working away. You could tie that into, well, did you have that sort of thing going any way or form? You know, when you, you know, you mentioned about, you know, this happening, that happening, when you know that, that teacher or this teacher when you were 10 or something, and then you tied you off for, for crying or something, you know, into the double bar and stuff. And they start to tie, when you start to make those connections, especially, um, but even in the present it's still powerful, that can be especially potent and progressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, getting that caught in that in that double bind. Yeah, yeah. you know, you shouldn't feel like you're doing this yeah. and it increases the shame and the Yeah,
1: so 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 you're right, you know, it's not so important not to beat yourself up for being beaten up or suffering. Um but then at the same time it probably highlights there's a conflict there mm-hmm. and that's that's useful material. We could bring that conflict out. Yep. So if it's not progressing, I mean, you don't blame yourself. It's part of life, part of overcoming uh, what we need to overcome. as part of our existential journey. But then, how then do you transform that into something that can be progressive for you? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So we're not talking about if you've got a symptom, um, so so it's a, an experience, is the discomfort. So well, it's just part of life. Just got right. with If you've got a broken foot, if you've got a torn hammy,
0: mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: so. It's just life. You, know, you don't have to go to the doctor or the other surgeon, just probably, you know. Yeah. We don't want that. You know, we don't want to be criticized for, you know, um, uh, tackling penalty or something like that. You know, you should never, don't try that much. You're just not yeah. very well, like, you know. But anyway, but uh, you say, well, hang on. You don't have to wear that as a badge of honor yep. either. You don't, it just happens. Don't blame yourself for it. You're, you're adventurous. You're courageous. You went for it. Right, how to go? Mm. Right, Uh, but now then, how can we then use that to progressive to for healing?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That I mean, that really ties into some of the teachings that I've got from the Eastern philosophies, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism. It's just like, don't necessarily, you know, wrap this up in a package of negativity and wrap this up in a package of positivity and then constantly try to move over here and try to find that because they're relative yeah. based on each other
1: yeah yeah so there's a sort of a yin yang yang there somewhere isn't there you know
0: yeah you can't you can't win the more you try to to well okay if you want to tie this back to psychotherapy the happier you try to get the more the more obvious all the bad things in your life are going to be because you know you're trying to run here all the time yeah
1: yeah sure yeah that's right so if you're thinking you to know, say like you know Got this idea of the shoulds and the must be happy, yes, that's a critical, the a self criticalness in itself, yes. Uh, so, and that's you know, it's the idea is that, that, that you should always be in a happy place apart from trauma, as a real problem, maybe a societal thing in some ways, so mm. you know, just having different moods, just part of life, really, yeah. In some ways. I mean, apart, I mean, that's obviously if there's, a, if there's a traumatic element around that or a condition of some kind, sure, okay, let's look at that, but then let's look at the normal aspects of too let's not get into over pathology.
0: Yeah. With trauma then and, you know, people that get triggered and whether we like to um, say it or not, we all kind of get triggered with different sorts of things. Is the goal with trauma therapy to move to a place where those things no longer trigger us? Is that possible?
1: Oh, well, I think, I think that's, that's an ideal goal. Right. Uh, but I think it's realistically as a matter of reducing those triggers and reducing the, the thing that you were talking about, about the meta aspect, about blaming yourself, getting hard on yourself. So ironically, it's a bit of a paradox around it, but the more you can sort of say, well, hang on, this is just part of um, the, the the trauma, and this is a, a symptom, and I'll try and reduce them, not, not by being down on myself. But that's part of it, people get down on themselves, or yeah. they get overly scared, saying so they're going to be attacked.
0: I've noticed um, that definitely so, with yeah. my own experience. Yeah, the yeah, shame, so comes shame comes very quickly. So,
1: so um, when you can actually move that person around more to a sort of a, a self-nourisher and say, well, that's just part of the symptom, part yeah. of the condition. just like normalizing, really. When we say normalizing, that's, um, that's half the work. Yes. So the next thing is, and when, you, when they say, well, that's a symptom, they know it's a symptom, and it's normal. It's a trauma is, you know, going back to the DSC, free, free definition, a normal reaction to abnormal circumstances. Oh, nice! That's cool. That's right. So that's the first one of the first definitions of in the DSMs. A yeah. Normal reaction. I still like it. I think they it's brilliant. Changed that around, but you know, with with the uh, the veterans in the early days, especially the Vietnam vets and other veterans, um, just going the concept in itself about that they weren't alone. Mm. It's a, it's a normal reaction to trauma. Is a normal reaction to abnormal, highly highly abnormal circumstances, and there's probably r- very few people in the world. Because if you amped up the trauma, Yes, it's not going to be traumatized. Maybe 100%. You know? Wow. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I know 70% of the general population would say, hypothetically, in extreme circumstances, he's not going to be traumatized. Yeah, right? of course. Even James Bond. I he's
0: right? so, pretty so, good, but yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, so, and because one's traumatized, one my fragments, one isolates, removes from themselves, they feel like, and they face death. That's part of it. Like when you're about to face death or face a horrible emotional objuration. Uh, it's like going or leaving with the world, so and the, that that's a that's a very lonely experience. So, but when you realise that other people have the same experiences, that, re- that reduces the that loneliness, and you see you have a connection automatically with others who, that you don't don't know about yep. but are also experiencing that, and uh, that's dramatically uh, healing in the first couple of weeks i found with a lot of people I work with, especially. Um, certain groups rape victims. And yes, and definitely, definitely. So, uh, um, so that ties into that. And, and, and the actual triggers, you work on the triggers and identifying them and, and reducing them. Mm. And it's and so, and very, very subtle ones too, like going into uh, like JB or something and being triggered. Mm. So I've had a, a, someone that was actually chased by somebody wearing a biclateral and some attempt to assault or rape or something going into a place like JB, Harvey Norman. Uh, what, what would be in there to make them have a panic attack? Yeah. So when we'd analyze that, we you know, look at some of the various devices that had speakers, the two speakers close together one of those devices. You know, reminded them of the balaclava, the eyes. wow So when you start to get into that, triggers went away. Wow. And they were able to, to understand it, so it's the connection. Another fellow was... Um, veteran was an uh, undersea, it was called clearance diver in Vietnam, worried about being assaulted by, attacked by one of the enemy, maybe sort of fragment type, like in change, but it actually happens. Oh so, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, one day it was, it's all very dark under there, doing, looking, checking for bombs and so forth. It's a knife coming straight at him. And, uh, but it wasn't, it was a ship's propeller. I see. So, uh, but then, How's that relate to day-to-day experiences? Or if you're actually um, walking, you know, walking through crowded places, you wonder is there somebody that's carrying something that's gonna stab you with that? Mm. You're not necessarily consciously connecting with that, mm. but when you make that connection, you find that you know being in a bus or crowded circumstance um, doesn't worry you anymore when you make that connection to the original trauma. Yeah, you just bring up, yeah. It doesn't mean the original um, material around that first place trauma has gone away but the, the triggers can diminish yes and yes. that's something to work on then with the actual original trauma too so that the, the the unusual uh, can be very very important to, in, and triggers too not just the obvious mm. you know, like if you're walking you know if someone's been raped in a park and they walk into a park they have a panic attack well, that's an obvious trigger very very much so but there's a lot of subtle subtle triggers that uh, it's, it's interesting to explore. Yeah.
0: It's it's very interesting to explore, and I think it's um, perhaps the the unusual triggers are potentially harder to explore, uh, to explore, at least from a from a personal perspective, because you can you can just imagine someone trying to explore the reason why they would get triggered in JB with the shame that comes with that, and they're nice. like, oh, what? Wow, I'm such a fool. I'm such an idiot. I shouldn't get. No one. This doesn't happen to anyone, you know yeah, that, yeah. that resistance blocking that ability to explore. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and, and also you, you know, there were some people like, like like with the veterans for example they would have that very strongly you know, like yeah, you've got to be you know if you can't be weak you can't show emotion all that oh, sort of yeah. stuff so and that would come back to sort of certain models, parents fathers maybe especially see. things like that uh, rural officers uh, so so having some understanding about those I mean is that harsh gotta to be tough on all occasions and i grew up in that environment also you know typical for baby boomers corporate punishment and all that sort of stuff oh, you know? yeah, well. so you know um so understanding that the origins of that and, and the societal family aspects culture around this is important too and mm. so that's part of your culture it's part of your generation you're not going to give, give that up yep i going to wimp out all of a sudden or something like that mate you know yeah don't come the raw prawn. But anyway, yes. so uh, so but you don't have to, but the understanding about it, you know, that's maybe okay under normal circumstances, uh, maybe maybe it's too severe under normal circumstances. Yep. It's understanding where that message comes from a bit, without giving up on the important aspects of that, which is part of your now identity, is, is also important in you know, that part there too. Right. And uh, it can then switch more to the relational aspects yep. of that message. So that's very important to, to perhaps, you know see you gently turn t- direction yeah you know, if, you D- know, if, you know, if you know what I mean you know, oh yes you know, so if that harsh where does that come from you know? yeah
0: um, because it, it would it would there'd, there'd be a, a significant degree of conflict that can manifest in relationship yeah, yeah, um, yeah. when people are traumatised by, by different sorts of things and when people are traumatised by things or triggered by things I should say that yeah. the other person does. Yes. Um that's a, that's just a part of who they are or yes, a part yeah, of, you know, yeah. I can imagine the conflict that would arise. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. With um with that that trauma um those triggers and those traumas yeah. are there different sorts of you know, like I just imagine if someone was was raped in a park, for example I can't imagine how... I mean, like, most people would look at that situation and be like, of course you were going to be traumatized by this, you mm. know, to, to normalize the situation. with Obviously, like, resistance and, and shame and wanting to forget that would would arise. But because trauma is so subjective and, you know, people can be traumatized from at the age of six when a little school kid called them ugly. Yeah, or, like, yeah. for, for I'll tell you, for me, for example, Like yeah. I used to have these... Um, constant fears about the supernatural and ghosts and all this sort of stuff, and I was I I never felt comfortable uh, normalising it within myself or with other people because it it's almost like a funny trigger yeah. to be to be so scared and not be able to talk, and uh, not yeah. be able to sleep the lights on yeah, until yeah, I was like yeah, twenty three, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. um, because it I shouldn't be traumatised by something that happened to me like that when I was a kid, but I was, yeah. you know, but I just imagined that for something that seems objectively traumatising yes. it be, would be a lot easier I imagine for people to be like of course yeah, that's, the but that's
1: where the societal thing comes in yeah you know? and uh, um, I think uh, if, you've, if you've it also comes into sort of you know the family community rules that you've grown up in yeah so if, you, if you've come from a sort of a uh, a bit of a situation where you've perhaps been a bit of a rebel your family's been a bit, a bit hippie or something like that or whatever hmm um, maybe less the case, you know. They say, "Well, hang on, that's your experience." And who cares what? Who cares what they think? You know. Yes. Or Carlton supporters, they don't, they don't know what they're on about.
0: They <laughs> yeah. For all our international <laughs> listeners, we're going very <laughs> AFL oh, here yeah. today. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it's okay. good. It's no, good. No, okay. Carlton, okay. you don't want to go for Carlton. Oh, okay. Okay. Collingwood's good, apparently. Okay. 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 I don't want to sound a blue here, but anyway. No. <laughs> right,
1: so uh, look, you know. So but that's so that's kind of like sort of um, if you're in a situation. Um, uh, where this is how things are supposed to be. So, yes, you know, sometimes you know, like the boarding school scenario, the, the boys' school. You know, I won't mention particular private schools or anything other like So, if you're in that situation where this is how this is how things are, we do this. This mm. is our lifestyle. You know, keeping up appearances. And, uh, um, that's pretty much almost regimented, and yeah. uh, um, and that can be certainly the case. Yes, yeah. uh, if you become a sort of a, more of a, sort of a diverse. Um, Family situation that may be less the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know, I think there's quite a bit of research about those early childhood things that, like the media ratings, and very traumatic for kids. And they can't necessarily differentiate between. I we' doing an interview, I think it was um, Panorama or something a few years ago about talking about the even in adolescence, mm-hmm. you know, the, some of the things that people are exposed to through the media, the news. Uh, Seeing someone shot in front of you, when they're talking about biscuits one minute, then someone's being blown up in front of you and the next without any warning. That can be very
0: traumatic. Yeah, so on. You know, so, so that's uh, uh, uh,
1: that's. Um, uh, I think there's um, uh, more of an appreciation of that mm. uh, than was there was so ten years ago. It's funny how things go. Like in the fifties, it'd be like even before my time. If so. Uh, so, there'll be a lot of censorship about being very careful about what you are exposed I see. to. That's meant for a period of time, probably, you know, blame the value on well this, the 70s. <laughs> right? Uh, so, things just it's throw everything out, mate. Okay. Mm. It's just, it all hang loose. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know. So, so um, but within that, you know, it's, it's so important to realise the delicacy and the vulnerability of and children, and they can't necessarily differentiate between... Subjective reality and subjective reality and fantasy and sort of part of the fantasy was it was real that real you know if you see crocodiles coming at you in a strange place in the city yeah like there's a movie about that once came out of the sewers yeah that's right crocodiles and
0: alligators in the sewers or something there
1: were so anyway so sharks and tornadoes (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: so um
1: for children they can't necessarily differentiate between us so it's quite reasonable to put that into traumatic type category for a four, five, six, seven-year-old. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. Uh, you yeah. could actually explore further around, was there anything else happening that's around that time too, in terms of relational aspects, but it may or not be often. You, you want to always want to explore that anyhow. Yeah.
0: But the movie situation, they could do it. Yes, that makes a lot of sense, yeah.
1: Scary stuff. This
0: well, story. mine was, do you know what was funny? And you know, I've just, when you said that, what was going on at the time, I just, I always go back into that. I'm obsessed with Carl Jung's. So I'm like, okay, what well, happened there? But, um, Honestly, you know, a young and a half. That's sort of yes, to that's, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. but um, I you know, it was it was watching a ghost from Scooby Doo. My, my dad and yeah, yeah, um, my yeah. sister and I would always watch Scooby-Doo. Scooby Doo, good Scooby Doo, good yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah, the love the, love, 19... love, love the voice. You know. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, the 1969 yeah. Scooby Doo, Where Are You? Like yeah, the serious yeah, Scooby Doo, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, but then I had a, um, a sleep paralysis nightmare that night, and I always remember it, and I think that's what triggered the. You know, I can sleep the light off now, so I'm happy with that. But, um, yeah, just
1: what's that around Scooby Doo It was about
0: the, the the sleep paralysis ghost, where I woke up unable to move, yeah. and um, you can look into kind of the hormonal reasons yeah, yeah, why yeah. that occurs. Um, but it was the the the, the ghost from Scooby Doo choking me oh, when I was young, okay, and he was okay. it was choking me like that, okay. and um, I couldn't move, and I couldn't and I couldn't talk, and I I, I wasn't really good at talking so was there was
1: there a ghost in scooby-doo on that? there point?
0: was a ghost there was a phantom so it's the 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 go the, the episode is yeah. called a night for a fright is no delight Oh, okay. and it was the phantom cartoon ghost oh, in right. that episode right. and then the dream was i woke up being unable to move with the phantom um pressing on my chest oh, okay. okay um and how old were you then i would have been maybe i had it reoccurringly over a good five ten years oh, okay. but um the, the when I first saw it, it, probably would have been about eight or oh, okay, so, okay. so quite young. But, so, uh, okay, so it's quite, probably
1: uh, quite a vivid uh, animation, I sound
0: of it. very, very vivid. Yeah, and I've had sleep paralysis. Um, okay. I but mean, I don't have it anymore mm. ever since I started oh, okay. to keep a dream journal and oh, analyse okay, my dreams. Okay. Okay. Um, but you know, if you're looking back on on dreams and things, um, I would have this dream when I uh, lived in Bali um, six months ago, where I was playing footy and I was trying to get to the goal always trying to get to the goal. you, so know.
1: you were actually living in Bali? Yeah, so just I, six months I, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and um, you, know, that and you were playing football in Bali? I wasn't playing football in Bali. I gave up football in 2014. Um, but the really? dream was oh, the set and setting. Oh, I'm okay. playing football in Bali. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going. And then all of a sudden I'm choking and I can't stop oh, choking. Okay, okay. You know, the Devil's Snare from Harry Potter's wrapping around me. One time it was Lady Gaga's legs yeah, right. wrapping around me and I always right. wake up in a fright. Yeah. And I, you know looked at the symbols of the dream and interpreted it. And, and, and I had that it clicks moment. Oh, okay. And I remembered a time when I was playing football in 2014. Oh, okay. And one of the um, opponents um, had me in a chokehold. We were fighting at the bottom of the, the scrum, the, the oh, tackle. Okay. And he had me in a chokehold. And was I sorry, remember... It was like rugby, was it or something? Well, it was football. I shouldn't have said scrum, sorry. Oh, no. But it was the bottom of the tackle. I got it. It was the bottom of the tackle. And um, he had me in a chokehold, you know. And I remember the panic at the time. And for whatever reason, that was just pushed to the unconscious, and the dream was.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that, that, so in that scenario, there with the, that, I mean, that could be a traumatic event. Yes, I mean, we often dismiss it, uh, you know, uh, especially amongst the guys Being, a bit, uh, you know, I can move on. Oh, well, no, no, I think, uh, that's you know, um, so uh, but that could. Why should that be dismissed mm. um, from being a period traumatic event? Look, I did a doco with uh, seven seventy four a few years ago with. Rachelle, Hunt, you? you might want yeah, to look at that. Yeah. Um, that's just on the internet. P- Footballer post traumatic stress. Amazing. Um, yeah. So just have a look look out the there. Yeah. And that's just, we're really highlighting there. I've done a bit of work with, uh, not uh, with, uh, at least sports people as well, uh, here and there. And it's, it's, it's funny because of that. My bit like we talked about before, the the child and the early child experience and societal evaluations. Yeah. That uh, sort of things that go on footy, uh, uh, sport in general. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Can be very traumatic. Well, what What's the difference between if you're actually uh, um, being choked uh, by walking around the back streets of Fitzroy, being by being mugged? Yeah. Okay. Um, the sort of personality you're dealing with there is probably not as friendly as the ones you're dealing with them or You don't know sometimes, mm, mm. but still, the actual event, your life is at risk, your body's at risk, and even when you're not being choked, some of the sort of the injuries you go through oh, yeah. uh, can be pretty. Pretty horrific, and you could perhaps even on a conscious level, you could feel, Yeah, like, oh, are you going to survive this at this minute or the second? And then you've got to like, get on with the game and so forth. And so, that, that could be a traumatic event for sh- absolutely for sure. Yeah, uh, and also the emotional aspects. Um, you know, we're talking about this sort of you know, sport. You sort of, I think, also, especially it's developmentally centered. Like... <clears throat> Uh, I think at a certain age, um, perhaps you we know, see ourselves in this thing, being able to achieve this and being able to achieve that and yeah. wanting this and wanting that. And we don't fully understand our identity. That's part of the, like the Ericsson psychosocial stages where we're trying to square the quest. Yep. Vulnerable time. Um, if you don't succeed, you don't win this game. You're nothing. Yeah. Stuff. That's often the case, what people feel when they're playing sport. Yes. Especially in Australian culture, perhaps.
0: Yep, definitely. Um,
1: and uh, so those emotional and physical experiences can be quite traumatic. You know. Yeah. So, so that, would, that would make sense to your dream after
0: that. Kept know. happening, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was interesting. And,
1: and also, um, in terms of um, inoculating people against being, having traumatic stress, rather than um, if you sort of um, give yourself a bit of that SAS training, uh, they, they say, this is, this is dangerous and it can be traumatizing. If you're, mm. if you're aware of that, um, perhaps you're less likely to get it, actually. Well, this is what I've been a really catch- fascinated. It's paradox, like, you know, yeah. like if someone in the street tries to beat you up, um, you know that What's a tyranny oh, victims of crime, no, no. and yeah. the footy field you know, sort of, you know, rah, 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 you know, that sort of stuff, you know. Um, this is not a traumatic scenario so your brain hasn't caught up with that but that actually because your brain hasn't caught up with it that means you're more fragmented therefore because you're more, more fragmented you're more likely to have dissociation because you're more likely to have dissociation you're more likely to have PTSD symptoms and so forth
0: mm. yeah that, that's a really good point I am um, really thank you for bringing that up I, I looked into the study about the, the differences in the physiological changes between embracing fear and yeah. then having fear happen to you yeah. or have that unresponsive yeah. fear yeah, yeah. and they're completely different yeah. and what I think is What I've found, at least anecdotally, is that that experience was was traumatizing for me. Bringing it to conscious awareness and then working through that has actually helped. But now I do jujitsu, where bracing someone who's actually trying to choke you out, Hmm. and I love it. Yeah, because it make it gives me a sense of purpose. It it, yeah. it builds on that confidence, and yeah, I, I think it, yeah. those
1: two. I've done a bit of judo, so I do oh, yeah, right. yeah a bit of boxing as well. Oh, no, oh, right, not recently, but yeah, also, also, you know, in the past. But yeah, you know, I still understand the concepts, and I've just took like around a little bit coaching. Yeah, but I do understand it. I think it's fantastic, and Vandercork recommends that too. And you doing that, embracing it, as you're saying, and. Uh, that would be very, very healing, and uh, it's incredible and, and good fun.
0: It is, it is great fun. But <laughs> yeah. embracing, embracing, because this is, this is where I um always want to make sure I'm staying top of when I talk about trauma with people is yeah. that, you know, identifying the root cause and and respecting yeah. how easily we can be traumatized, but then also recognizing that we actually have a bit of free will and agency, mm. and we can embrace fears yes. and, and and widen that yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and what you are if it's well and truly really into the Gestalt model. Right. You know, like uh, that they talk about part of the idea and the Schoenstrom model. The idea is that we sort of say, we, we reject parts of ourselves we don't like or things we're afraid of. Yeah. And you embrace it as you're describing. And there's especially, maybe, maybe, especially if there's a physical element involved, um, you know, it's, a, it's like integrating the self. It's, yes. You know, it's uh, recognizing the self and valuing the self and honoring the self. Yeah. What's it all, so to speak?
0: Yeah. All the, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Michael, I wanted to ask because um, another area of psychology that I like is a little bit into subjectivity as well. Um, how has your research and your study actually helped you as a person and like come to understand yourself more, you know, maybe your sort of thing over the years? And...
1: Well, I think I think it's knowledge. I mean, um, I, I come from the point of being an arts graduate. I'm yeah. you know, rather coming from a strict science point of view into psychology that it's all part of it. It's all part of the journey. So um, my work in, with, through the arts of philosophy and history of philosophy of science in particular sociology psychology it's all helped me understand myself in my relationship with the universe and I think history is so important mm. I, I think it's one of the things that I found really really valuable is understanding the human journey in history mm. so I think my my the models and frameworks and, and the learning uh, teaching as I teach is all part of um, what we what, what we do when we act out from a person in the environment and, and we act with others and we share our journey, we share we hear other people's journeys and we can relate our own experience to these and vice versa. So that's all part of self growth. Yes. Self knowledge and understanding. Yeah. That's the way I look at things. It's you know.
0: awesome. Yeah. Michael, I know, um, we've got to get you out, out of here at some point, but I'm, I'm definitely keen to have you on the show regularly and sure. I, just a wealth of knowledge. And I, I honestly can't thank you enough well, for sitting down with me. It's, Cheers it's brilliant. It was awesome. Um, where can people find you and if there's anything you'd like to talk about now?
1: Oh, well, basically, you know, they, if you, you just check out Michael Birch on the internet, Michael Birch Psychologist on the internet, I'll be pretty much, well, the details are down there so they can, it's the main thing, just Michael Birch Psychologist, I'll be down there. They can see my, my details, my emails, etc. It's all down there. Yeah.
0: On the Google. On the yeah, Google. to Google. to yeah. <laughs> Google. So, yeah. Yes. Not WebMD. We'll, we'll move away from WebMD. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, mate, thank Pleasure. you so much. Pleasure. That was awesome. Pleasure. Absolutely loved it. And uh, peace, guys. Love you all. Guys, how good was that? An hour of just mind training for us all. And one of the biggest takeaways that I got from this podcast and maybe something that you could take away from it too is that trauma is subjective. And, you know... Michael was talking about trauma, um, with those general notions where there has has been some sort of perceived threat to either yourself or someone you know and love, someone very close to you. And again, threat, the, the way that the 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 primitive body and the you know the primitive mind, you know our evolutionary circuits uh, perceive threat, can be very different from the way that. We can logically or we logically make sense of things. So, you know, people get all these sorts of fear-based disorders, OCD, you know, um, all these sorts of things, panic attacks, um, phobias, they can't get out of the house. I mean, some of these things are gradual, but some of these things have a root cause based on traumatic experiences. And the trauma can be very, very, very obscure, innocuous almost, very, very different to what it's actual... Uh, what it actually leads to. You know, people can can get scared of all sorts of things and be unable to to progress and develop and move 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 you know beyond themselves for, for certain reasons. And the trauma, you know, for what for all intents and purposes doesn't look anything like what's going on in the current day. But it's because that the, the, the body mind, you know, he was talking about the right hemisphere, that you know, all these sorts of things, the amygdala, it's perceived A threat, and it's up to us then if we want to move forward, which I'm sure we all do because we want we want to live our best life. To go back into those traumatic experiences, sit with it, and just become more aware, more centered, and understand it for what it is. And there are all these tools you can do that. EMDR, he was talking about, uh, psychodrama. You know all these fantastic things that researchers have developed over the years, and um, we actually can. Find greater happiness. We have to go into the shit, but we can find it. You know, gradually, slowly desensitize to out to it. Depending on how severe the trauma is, all this sort of stuff. You know, so you know, I just find this stuff absolutely fascinating. If you want to hit me up more, you know, to learn more about this, guys. Um, you know, there are some people like Michael that um, that are in the area and and all this sort of thing. Please do. If you are loving this podcast, guys, even if you're hating it, please leave me a review because I want to make it better for y'all. And um, that's the first time I've ever said y'all. It's currently 6.54 in the morning here. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And uh, what else do I need some, do I need to give you some housekeeping? Housekeeping, housekeeping, housekeeping. The only other thing I'd say is, guys, I've started my own counseling practice. I'm very, very excited about that. It's Mind Make Counseling. You can find that on Instagram, on Facebook. Same business page, actually. I just kind of changed it over uh, from Tomahern to Mindmate Counseling. And um, I'm really excited about it. Really, really excited about it. So hit me up. And that is all. Bye.